0: Beyond the few. We're back We're back Here We are we back are. Another day Another episode Another togetherness Another day Another episode <laughs> another I don't think that's a word <laughs> Another
1: togetherness Episode out uh, 28 for sure I don't
0: think it's 28 I don't know what it is though
1: 24 yeah.
0: Doesn't really matter. Yeah. What well, the question though is, it's not episode thirty seven. By episode thirty seven though, we have a goal in mind that you, Eric Gill, Pastor Reverend Eric, well, not Reverend yet, Rever-
1: not yeah, Reverend, yeah, Pastor no, Eric no. Gill. No, you're the Reverend. You're going to be ordained. Bishop. You're gonna Bishop. Be ordained. Elder. Elder. But you're going to be ordained here shortly. And Stephen, oh,
0: Eric Gill, M. Div. <laughs> so what? What is the number, Pastor? I mean,
1: tell, Eric people, tell the people. Tell the right people. Tell the people. Right here, right here. I got three so far. Yeah. Three, three, zero. Uh huh. Four. Yeah, nope. nope. Oh, we're not there. No,pe
0: three three zero three three one six four five so three. that's easy. 331 four five three.
1: Six four five three. What I've been saying.
0: If it's easy, why don't you know it? Because I've been cool. saying that for
1: the past. Well, I have never. Twenty five episodes. Oh, I was too now. Boy, oh, boy!
0: Glad to have Pastor Steve Bogram with us. Be back. <laughs> Glad to be back. He's here back, here Steve. This is episode three for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're getting just as dedicated as Eric because there's only one person in this room right now that's been here for every
1: podcast episode. <laughs> who's, that? who's that? That would be me, Bruce uh, Reverend. Reverend? Hey, you're catching up. If you're, Eric, if you're this, home or you're driving wherever, up. take a, just, a moment and clap a Pastor Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't are driving. Thank you. Though, no, if you're on the stoplight, Appreciate yeah.
0: that. Eric, feeling good about the Yankees? Absolutely. Even though you're not that invested the baby. in baseball anymore, who's not invested anymore?
1: baby. Yep. Who's your favorite player? When the Yankees all time? Yeah, It rot. A run really so before like, he like came out. used steroids, and no, them. before
0: he that came out. So, before that, so yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, and then but, after that, it was that <laughs> and then he came out, yeah. No, it was so long. I'm
1: done rooting
0: for people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, when the Yankees lost the first game to the uh, to the Indians, excuse me guardians um you had made a comment after the yankees yeah, lost, and you I said would, yeah i don't really care about baseball anymore yeah I'm but now was, all of a sudden you're not like a hard, hard. of course you're diehard yankees you're guy. happy
1: when you're winning okay yeah okay that's life <laughs> that's why you're happy because you're i've never seen anybody more jacked up about the bills than you are well i'm a very
0: much a diehard
2: bills fan
1: yeah because they're winning who's I've, your fr- been,
0: I've been that way since
2: the
1: i was no. a little kid
0: yep. no. who's
2: your favorite bills fan of all time oh player sorry of
0: all time Oh, uh, there's a couple. I'm a huge, I'm a big Jim Kelly fan, Thurman Thomas. Thomas fan. Oh, Thurman, Thurman, Thurman Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever met Kenny like, Oliver Thurman Thomas? Anything yes, like that? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, who'd you meet? I've met Thurman Thomas, actually. Well, tell ah. us story a little bit on last that, week Last week, last I met Thurman week. Thomas. Yeah. Ooh. Yep, yep. It's a long story. Did
1: you get, did you signed, get and I
0: got a signed helmet from Thurman yeah. Thomas.
1: Wow. Bottom shelf, it's in, it's middle in my shelf, office. top shelf. It's in my office. If anybody
0: wants to stop by and see it. Uh, but my door is right. locked. Um, oh yeah! But if they want to come by see it, they can come nice. by and see it. Nice, nice. Well, let's get it. into some of these questions. All today. right, let's dive um, in. We started last week talking <laughs> a little bit about parenting, and we're going to get to that in a minute as well. Pastor Steve back with us, and want to just ask his thoughts on some things about parenting, um, and some insights there. But before we get there, there's a couple questions we want to get to that have been submitted. Um, the one in particular, I'm pretty excited to hear you guys' response to. Um, that I'm pretty excited about this, and so. Uh, either one of you can take this first, right, but um, it's right, right, pretty, Steve. it's pretty timely. This is show. It's pretty timely for what recent events have happened in our world. Okay. With the hurricane that came through Ian, Ian, that, you know, just devastated so much of, of Florida. But um, here's the question that was submitted to us. Are natural disasters, God's wrath being poured out. Mm. Ooh. Our natural disasters, God's wrath being poured out. Is God's wrath being poured out on the earth right now? If so, does that mean God's wrath is being poured out on believers? So, our natural disaster is God's wrath being poured out. Is God's wrath being poured out right now on the earth? If so, does that mean God's wrath is poured out on
1: believers? What do you think, Eric? Those are three questions. <laughs> so, so, what, what's qu- so, what's the first question? The first one is, the- it's God, that can God's wrath happen? Our natural
0: disaster is God's wrath being poured out.
1: I would say that not every single one of them has to be Under that category, but you can see from the Old Testament that there is that there are instances where God will do that; that He will use natural disaster to bring justice to the people that opposes Him or to the nations that are against Him. Uh, I give you an example: you have the the promise that He gave to Abraham that to any nation that uh, any nation that blesses you, all bless; and any nation that opposes you, I would oppose. Uh, the promise to the nation of Israel, and so you see throughout the nation of Israel at times that natural disasters will take place as a way of justice. Okay. But I don't. I mean, I'm not sitting here, and I don't think anyone can sit here and say that every time there's a natural disaster that that's God's justice okay. per se. I think it's part of the fall yeah. as well, like. Is the, it, the things that
2: happen in our world is uh, because of, of the fall as well. So, But, I mean, God is in control of everything as well. Yeah. So that's where the tricky part is. Like I, I, like, I do believe even God can use natural disasters to wake up a nation mm-hmm. or, uh, it, you know, even situations in their life that we use. I was talking to the individual that a big, you know— you would look at it like why, you know, why that happened to him. But he said that God used that to wake him up mm-hmm. to realize where he was in a relationship with the Lord. So, yeah. Sure.
0: yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: It's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. What else? Know. What's the second part? Well, you don't have anything to share to that? Yeah. About disasters, natural yeah, go
0: disasters, um, God's wrath being poured out? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a starting point would be the question of does God have all authority over wind, waves, land, sea? everything and the answer to that would be an obvious yes Mm -hmm. god has complete authority over that i think jesus miracle where he calms the wind and the waves on the sea when he says peace be still questions asked of jesus in the gospels the disciples say what manner of man is this that even the wind and waves obey him Mm -hmm. so we see it established in scripture that god is in complete control of all of the natural elements that are in the world you know land sea sky everything Mm -hmm. so the wind and waves even obey him so I think it would be one thing to say, is a natural disaster that occurs specifically occurring because it is a demonstration of the wrath of God being poured out upon man for some reason of sin, yeah. or the question of, does God allow those natural disasters to take place? And mm-hmm. so I think we would have to say, obviously, God allows those to take place. Yeah. Whether or not we can know the motivation or reasoning behind, behind those... Yeah. That's in God's hands. Yeah. That's uh, The knowledge of God would be the only knowledge that would know that. We mm-hmm. would not know that. Yeah. Um, but could God use natural disasters as a result of the sinfulness of man and to show a demonstration of wrath? He could, yeah. but we don't have the ability to mm-hmm. know if that's why. Now, there's been some—this is a very interesting question because there's been some prominent leaders, Christian leaders even, that have said— When a hurricane happens, when a tornado happens, when an earthquake happens, Mm. this is the wrath of God being poured out because he's angry about sin. Um, And listen, could that be true? I guess it could be true. But does that mean that that's the reason? No. I mean, we live in a sinful fallen world, back to your point, Mm -hmm. where death and and chaos Mm -hmm. and pain and heartache and all of that is going to be a reality of the yeah. world we live in. But to answer the question simply, are natural disasters, God's wrath being poured out? They can be, yeah. but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean they are. Correct. You was know? yeah. um, yeah. so, the um, second part? Is God's wrath being poured out on the earth right now? And if so, does that mean God's wrath is being poured out on believers?
1: I will say that to that, again, f- it follows the same answer, I would say. Like, yeah, can... can the that's got allowed the 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 uh, those things. It, or he's got in control of those things happening. Absolutely, absolutely. Nothing in this world wouldn't happen without his allowance. You know. Sure. But to say that everything that is currently happening is for the purpose of a, of wrath, I think that that is hard for you for us to come to that conclusion. Could it be a possibility? Absolutely. Like we said, like we there are examples in the Old Testament where God did that. But to say that every single time that that is occurring, it is because of the wrath of God, I think that that will be a stretch, and like you say, like something that uh, it will be uh, it will be hard to prove to be true, you know. And then to, to to the other stream or to the other extent was about if that's the case and our believers dealing with the wrath of God. I will think about. I will reference back to like the nation of Israel, how when there were people that opposed God that the nation of Israel, where some of them had to suffer, and it was an attempt for them to recognize. And even them those that were kind of like bystanders had to take a responsibility to mend things and to take ownership. Like I think about the golden calf, that great story, how the moment that Moses disappeared, or not disappear, he goes to the mountains, he's talking with God, he's there for 40 days, and then the moment that he uh, has been there for a while, the people started to feel like, hey, but we need a God, we need to make our someone that, that to make us God. They go to Aaron to say, hey, can you make a golden calf for us? He makes a golden calf for us, and then they start, went out and started saying, these are, this are the gods that brought us out of Egypt, not God, but this golden calf that we just crafted a few minutes ago right and then you see that when moses comes down and he brings wrath on those people and like he like he, he goes out and killing they had to be a group of there the levites that needed to step up take ownership and recognize that even though they may have been caught on the on the on the crossfire if you want to call that it was an opportunity for them to step up and be an example to those that were lost it's an opportunity for them to be set apart, you know, and so I think that if that was the case, that a believer was to find themselves in the crossfire of God's wrath, it is not that necessarily God is attacking the believer, but it's an opportunity for the believer to stand up, to be an example for those that are hurting, to be an example for those that are lost, and demonstrating in their life how they are set apart.
0: So you would say that the wrath of God is currently seen
1: as being poured out on the earth? No, I said no. I, I it's mean, not. I said that there is no—it's hard to tell. I, okay. I mean, I don't think that anyone in this room has the ability to say, yeah, the hurricane, uh, Ian.
0: Yeah, not even specifically with that, but I think the question was just, is God's wrath being poured out on the earth right now, and does that mean God's wrath is being poured out on believers?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that we can that anybody can come to a conclusion like that. I okay. mean, yes, yeah, certainly God can— use things to bring to bring people into to their knees at times, but yeah. to sit here and to say that every single time it's because it's really of his bad. wrath, I feel like that's a trash. Yeah. Back to Steve's point, this is not the original design that God has for the world. But as a result of the fall, yeah. you know, it's you know, those things happen. But yeah. I think for like the believer though, it's you know, when you
2: see the natural disasters, it's for me it's like more of a like examine my own life, you know, kind of thing. Like, okay, like God, you know, even even if like, things I've been through in my own life, too, like, all right, Lord, I need to learn from this. And it's not so much worrying about the problem, but focusing on the one that can fix the problem, which is Jesus, and kind of saying, okay, God, like, is there areas in my life that I need to change? Yeah. You know, Hebrews talks about that, to lay aside every weight or sin that holds you cleanly and looks, you know, look only at Jesus. So not that, you know, every natural disaster is the wrath of God, but I think for the believer side, we just got to take those moments and say, okay, God, where are we? Personally, with you, but also my like the country that I'm in, like mm-hmm. where where are we at? And that, that to me helps me to see, again, not to say that God uses it for His wrath, but it should be more of a just uh, an examination yeah. of our own, you know, spiritual relationship with the Lord through. Sure.
1: Yeah, and I'll give you an example. So, our, I'm not sitting here saying this is this was the wrath of God happening, but I think that it's an interesting example. So, Dominican Republic, Haiti. Yeah. One island. They share one island. There is not as smaller than the state of New Jersey. I mean, it's very, very tiny of an island. And I, I can't remember. I think it was 2007. I can't remember exactly what year. But there was that earthquake that happened. Uh, it was like uh, 7 point something. It was like horrendous. I mean, to, even to this day, there's still like leftovers of the effect mm-hmm. of the of the hurricane. The country has never been able to recover from it. And I will never forget because I was still living in the DR when this happened. So you had th- these two countries that shared the same island. That sub- both, even though it happened, the epicenter of this earthquake was in Haiti, that the Dominican Republic should have had the similar or the exact effect on the uh, on the island as Haiti did. Uh, I mean, it was so powerful that people in Florida felt it in Puerto Rico. They felt it. How come then? Somewhere in, like in the Dominican Republic, they didn't get any cases. I mean maybe maybe a, a building there or here and there cracked or fell or something. and then all this hor- like the uh, catastrophe happened in Haiti. How is that possible? And so I you know my tendency is to look at the two differences and you have a country that is very as, I mean not not every single individual, but as a whole, they're a country that are, is devoted to witchcraft. Is devoted to voodoo. is devoted to all of this like dark magics and all of this satanic practice not everybody not individuals but as a as a whole that is a majority of the culture there and then you see the American Republic that it's not like we're not holier or anything but you have a lot of people there that they are devoted Christians that they're uh constantly praying and they're not ashamed of that and it makes you wonder like why didn't why didn't the dr get affected the way that Haiti got affected sure you know, and and there's, I have my own theory of why that happened, but I just saw that. I think that that will be an example of that. Like, like, was that God's wrath on Haiti? Yeah, no, that's a good question. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it, there are two important questions. Um, you know, my mind goes to Romans one, where the Bible talks about the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against mm-hmm. man. So I would say the answer to the question of God's wrath being poured out on the earth right now, I would say to an extent it is. Mm -hmm. The great wrath of God that ultimately will be poured out on the earth where the heaven and the earth will be destroyed. uh, New heavens, new earth will be created. That ultimate wrath of God will be seen um, in the conclusion of, of what we have scripturally with prophetic events. But Romans 1 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Mm. And it goes on to say, what God then, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. He says, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, and it talks about all of the sins that would follow that. So in some sense, Romans 1 tells us the answer to the question is yes, yes. To an extent, the wrath of God is seen right now being poured out on the earth because man is being given over to a debased mind Mm -hmm. to do those things that are contrary to God, and we're reaping the the quote-unquote reward of that, the downfall of society, Mm -hmm. and the uh, heartache, pain, sickness, disease, all the things that are happening are happening as a result of sin— And in some ways, Romans 1 seems to indicate that that is a representation of God giving them over to these things as part of his wrath that Paul says in Romans 1 is revealed from heaven against all of the ungodliness and unrighteousness that's in the earth right now. So to some extent, the answer would be yes, it is being seen as being poured out, but not to the full measure of the wrath of God, which will be in the end. And when it comes to the believer, um, I don't think we could ever say that... God's wrath is being poured out on believers. Now, being in this world, but not of the world, believers being a partaker of the world that we're within, we may feel the effects... Uh, and we do, of Mm -hmm. some of the results Mm -hmm. of sin on this fallen earth, but we've participated in sin as well. But what we have to separate is the wrath of God upon sinful man, the wrath of God, ultimate wrath of God upon sinful man, has been endured by Christ on our behalf as a believer. Mm -hmm. So we will not suffer the great wrath of God, the ultimate condemning wrath of God, but uh, we are, being in this world, going to be those that will be dealing with the consequences of sin and the wrath of God that is being revealed currently against mankind because of their their sinfulness. And Mm so it's an interesting question, and I I think you guys are both correct in that we can't definitively say one way or the other, Mm -hmm. that's the wrath of God, that's not, that's the wrath of God. But what we can say from Romans is the very giving over of a culture, of a society, of a people to debased minds, to things that are not according to godliness, that are completely contrary to what God says should be true of individuals, um, that is a representation or demonstration of God's wrath that He's mm-hmm. given them over to those yeah. things. Yeah. And you can see the destructiveness it causes. Yeah. And, and some of that for we're sure. talking about in church, you know, in the yeah. series that we've been in. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good question. These That's are really good, good questions yeah. that were submitted, and I think um, it's important. So with that in mind, we've been trying to do a little bit on parenting Yeah. in these in these podcasts last week and this week, and we'll do it for a couple more um, and so with this in mind, I had a question that was posed to me um, last week when I was I went to a conference in Arizona for missions, Ooh. and uh, when we were coming back, Arizona, nice. coming back nice. from That's the good. conference,
2: great,
0: man. Uh, from the missions conference, someone on the plane uh, had asked the question because they knew we were talking and they found out that I have kids, and they had asked me the question that as a pastor, because I told them I'm a pastor, um, how do I care for or... Um, you know, um, care for, but also teach my kids uh, to handle all that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So like you know if your kids are part of uh, if they go to public school or if they are part of um, you know a church family, if they're out in the world at all, they hear and see things that are quite troubling in the world we live in. And so the person yeah. was asking me the question of how, as a parent, do you go about teaching and instructing, caring your, for your kids yeah. in the midst of how bad the world is? And yeah, so yeah. How, how would you yeah. guys say you go about doing that right Steve,
1: now? Steve, I'm going to let you go first because I would say uh, it's a testament to Steve. I know this is something that he does very well. Even this past Saturday, he mm-hmm. takes he took all of his kids, and you do this regularly, mm-hmm. but you take, he takes them out, just the, the kids, no, just the, the, the four of them, and just spend a time of discipleship with them, which I think is remar- remarkable. So I'm going to let you answer it. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right, that let you say, yep. answer it. Hopefully
2: I answer it correctly. But, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I think I think it's important that the parent t- talks about it before they hear it somewhere else uh, what's the biblical truth. So, I mean, right now, like, there are certain movies that we cannot watch, and the question's always why. True. Sure. You know, like, why? Why can we watch this movie, this movie? Uh, and so that actually, this past Saturday is the reason why I took him out for breakfast. Just us three to explain like why we couldn't watch that that movie. That's not honoring, and I explained Did you why. You want to say what the movie was? Huh? Yeah, it was uh, the Buzz Lightyear movie. Mm. Um, hmm. I mean, it wasn't like a big ordeal or anything like that, but just you know, it had this, like a same same-sex relationship, you know, in there, and it vividly showed it. you uh, in that too, so so we talked about that, you know, just how. And I, you know, explain what marriage, how God intended marriage to be, how God can use that to glorify God. And so, uh, I mean, I, it sounded like they understood it, you know, but, but having those conversations with your kids, I think it's important. that's something like, like my parents have with me, uh, especially with, you know, this is a different thing. And every generation goes through different things that needs to yep. be. And I think that's why it's so important that parents educate themselves of what's going on you know, like, hey, what's out there, what's my ki- especially teenagers, obviously, uh, knowing what's what they're looking at, TikTok, what they're looking at, these different things, so mm-hmm. they can have those conversations with their kids uh, and help them understand uh, with that. So, so yeah, I think it's just educating yourself, okay, what, what's my kids' age they're going in, what are they seeing, what are they hearing, and how can I be the first to even have this conversation but also make a space where they freely want to come and, and ask me these questions. Like, I remember, you know, my, my son went to preschool, uh, I was a Christian preschool so they prayed every morning they prayed um before lunch and then we you know he went to a public school the first day of school picked them up and he's like dad my school's a little weird I was like what's going on like we don't we didn't pray we didn't yeah. pray for our lunch like why is that and that was that was the first conversation we you know kind of say well, a lot of people don't believe in I was like what what why you know so sure. so that you know that was a good conversation I had with him to understand that not everybody has a relationship with the lord but it's our responsibility as believers to help them to have a relationship with the Lord, so I think it's just not being afraid of having those conversations, but you know, having because I, I feel like sometimes parents a little, we get a little too late with those conversations. Where and I just talked to a friend that he said that he's like I, I was too late with this conversation. That yeah, that's it's a it's hard to pull them out and help them see the truth. So yeah, I feel yeah. That that's helps. good.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I would add to that is like we really have to understand that someone is going to disciple our kids, mm-hmm. somebody's going to teach our kids something. So it is. It is our responsibility to be the from the the first ones to do that or the yeah. the prior the ones that are actually making our lives to do that like mm-hmm. for us taking that ownership of making sure that we're teaching our kids what is truth and back to our last episode you know we talk about this you're you're, you're hinted to this Steve, like the importance of the parents to understand truth so that we can teach our kids True. truth right and in a world that is filled with so many lies, so many ways that we're bombarding or that they're getting bombarded by, we need to be uh, well, well-rounded well in what we believe to be true Man. so that we can teach our kids that. Uh, one thing that I, I share this with my wife all the time, I said, my, my, because of my own life and my own spirit, upbringing, I'm finding myself praying more and more and more and more. That I asked, I said, I tell, I told my wife this. I said, like, I f- like, I have this belief that what's gonna keep our girls from not falling into the lies of the world is fearing God. Mm. Now we don't really talk much about the fear of God. You know, we think about the fear of God of like being afraid in the sense of like scary movie. But fear of God is more more than that. Is like a recognition of respect. who He is. Yeah. Healthy respect mm-hmm. is a he- healthy understanding of the mag- the majesty and power and glory of God. And to teach our kids to recognize that that this holy and majestic God that cared for us that loved us, He has set a path for our life, or He has set a, a guideline for our life that we should follow it, Follow it. And for us to teach them to understand that, but also recognizing that this majestic and holy God and powerful God is also a a, a, a just God that will deal with people in the way that they deserve. Mm-hmm. And I remember growing up that even though that I was not living in a, uh, even though I, I was a Christian, but not living in a in a Christian like way, I remember that it was the fear of God that many times kept me from doing this because I understood man. If I do this, if I mess up this way, like, you know, I'm going to get in big trouble. And yeah. so I think that I have a responsibility for the parents to teach that to our kids, yeah. It's why it's going to keep them from, you know, believing the lies and doing the things that this world wants them to do. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, it's good. I mean, that's yeah. Deuteronomy, right? Yeah. Train, train your children mm-hmm. um, yeah. and to teach them when they rise up and when they lay down and when they're going throughout their day, that we're to be instructing them mm-hmm. in God's word. Um, and I think that's so valuable. Um you know, I know for us with our girls, um, we try to, similar to what you were saying, Steve, be proactive in mm-hmm. talking about things that we know they're going to be hearing, they're going to be listening to. And, and honestly, I think one of the dangerous things that parents can be guilty of um, is purposely seeking to be naive about what it is their kids actually are mm-hmm. talking about and listening to. Um, you know, it, there's always those categories of difficult conversations yeah. when it comes to relationships when it comes to puberty when it comes to Mm -hmm. sexual relationships that we kind of shy away from as parents naturally like oh i don't my kids aren't even talking about that yet. they're not even thinking about that yet yes they are like depending on their age if they're in that middle school range and sometimes even before Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you know they're if they're not thinking about it they're hearing about it right and so we have to be willing as parents to do the hard work Of being informed about our our kids and the culture that they're in um, and understanding what challenges they're facing. And it's even more magnified with kids being very active on social media, um, constantly texting friends and being involved with their friends and everything that's going on in everybody's life. So um, I would agree we have to get ahead of the game. With our kids as parents where we can be proactive. But the other aspect of it is I think we have to be okay and not be embarrassed to talk about anything our kids yes. want to talk about. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's a hesitancy on the part of some parents to say, like, oh, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I have four girls and I'm not saying that I do things right because I do plenty <laughs> of things wrong. Yeah. But one of the things that I would hope my girls know from me is there is nothing they can't come to me out of embarrassment to bring up a subject matter that I'm going to make them feel embarrassed about. I mean, I'm going to be an open book and be like, yeah, let's talk about it. And I'm not going to make them feel awkward right about it. But as parents, if we're kind of sheepish about it, like, oh, I kind of want to just touch on this (laughs) issue, but it's really embarrassing. Then our kids are going to think it's embarrassing as opposed to wanting truth.
1: And I think you said something really cute. Like two things through that. It's like, like I I hear, you know, being in ministry, you hear it all the time, the phrase, oh, my kids will never do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are. They're doing it. Like, like I, will share some of the statistics. I, I was, I I, just, I was doing some research not too long ago about uh, purity and this idea of porno- pornography. Yeah. Uh, the it, it statistics will say that ninety-eight percent of students from the age of ninety-eight ninety-eight percent of students by the age of twelve. Or guys or, or boys by the age of, of of twelve have been either introduced or exposed to pornography, ninety eight percent of them.
0: Barna did a study. I remember yeah. when I was a youth pastor that said the average age, so not ninety eight percent, but average age of exposure to pornography was eight years old. Of yeah, yep. kids. yeah, yeah.
1: Eight then, years old. But, but, he, but here is yeah. where it gets crazy. So when you think of pornography, you only think sometimes only about the boys. But sure. then, but then this the research continued to add, and it says that ninety six percent of girls had either been exposed or introduced to pornography by the age of 12. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's insane. And, then, and and so I'm not saying that every single kid at that age is already addicted to pornography, but to think that our kids at that age are not aware of what life is, that unfortunately— and I, and I made this joke to our students, like, they don't even know how to wipe their butt, and they're watching things that they shouldn't be watching— But the reality is, is like, if parents weren't, like you're saying, if we're afraid, if we don't really want to talk about those things, like, they're learning. They're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, we need to be—we shouldn't be afraid of speaking truth to them— We need to teach them what is acceptable and what is right. Yeah. And if I could tell parents, don't be willfully ignorant. No. Right? No. Some parents are
0: willfully, blissfully ignorant. Mm. And they'll even – parents can make statements saying, like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know Like, you should want to know. Yeah. Um, And if you're not wanting to know, you're not doing what you should be doing as a parent. Like, you should want to know. And I'm talking, you know, to us as well. I mean, we don't do everything right. No. I mean, we we fail in all kinds of categories. And there are times – and this is the other thing I would say with this as parents – It's okay when you know you responded wrongly or didn't do something the way that would honor God to go to your kid and say, hey, I got to apologize for the way I handled that. I need to ask your forgiveness if we did something that would be displeasing to God and and let the kids know that we're not infallible, right? Mm -hmm. There's going to be times that we might mess up. We might make mistakes as parents out of our concern and love for them, but we're not perfect. And so we need kids to be able to understand you know, we don't want to be the ones that are always telling them what they're doing wrong and never admit when we're wrong. So, mm, like, we yeah. have to be able to check our pride as parents to yeah, be able to say when we're sure. wrong as well. But so, pig- piggyback off all this, I get the get ahead of things, I- explain things, instruction to our kids about the things they'll be dealing with. But what is it that you say or you try to instill in your kids or remind your kids or teach your kids about there's evil in the world? How do you keep them encouraged? Like, what do you try to? How do you go about seeking to be an encourager to them in the midst of how bad things are? Yeah. What do, what do, you, what like do you recommend? Like, for us, every
2: night, before I, you know, my kids go to bed, I always say, what's one thing you're thankful for that Jesus did for you today? Hmm. And that's how we always end our night. Like, yeah. I always think, well, you know, usually it's, like, the toys or I got sure, to play sure. with my friend. Like, not, that's like, the, super spiritual things. Not, no, that's like like like, the, yeah, the Loma, the Loma. burrito, praise <laughs> the Lord. Uh, but, like, it's just, like, you know, just, they're little. But yeah. I... I because, you know, that's what Paul says, the way you defeat yeah. anxiety and stress is, is by giving all thanks. thanks. in Yeah, all thanks. Yeah. And so that's how we yeah. end our night, even in our dinner table, too, when we talk, hey, what was the greatest part of your day today? Yeah. yeah. You know, or, you know, and in a, and like I said, at night we say, hey, what's one thing you're thankful for that Jesus did today? And, you know, well, I'm thankful for Jesus. He did this. Yeah. You know, so I think it's just yeah. a constant reminder. I mean, it's, you know, we see in the book of Joshua, we see that with, with um, you know, with Israelites, God said, hey, remember the things I've done. Sure. You know, put the stone here so that your kids can remember and their kids yeah. can remember. Yeah. And so I think is putting those stones in those that remember, hey, God, like, this is what he did. Look, we were here, but God did this, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, reminding them of the goodness of God, yeah. who God is, his character, and what he has done and what yeah. he's going to do. You know?
1: And and yeah. with that, uh, and, th- and that's amazing, Steve. With that, I would even add, too, like, often, like, Often we, I see parents and, and like I, even myself I found myself now I, I do have two years, like my oldest is about to be three. so mm-hmm. it's not like I can have a very intellectual conversation yeah. with her at this point. Uh, but I what I see as a youth pastor, I see often often that uh, there is this in, in some parents there is this expectation that they feel like they cannot get deep with their kids mm-hmm. in their conversation. And I think that is ironic because like when we send our kids to school like when when they go to school, Carolina. They're learning like very, very complex things, like calculus, IG, you know, whatever. Like I, I'm 30 and I don't even know like all this stuff. Like if you ask me to do, like I tell my wife all the time. By the time our daughters are like in fifth grade, I'm not gonna be able to help with any homework because <laughs> yeah. I'm not smart too. like that. So, so, but so w- we have to understand that like if the, if we sending them to a place where they can learn all of these complex things they're able to understand truth from the Bible. Yeah. And so we're able to have this conversation where or we should be able to have this conversation with our kids where they can understand, hey, even though this world may look like it's falling apart, there is a greater hope for us the fall of God. Sure. The ultimate greater hope is is that we have, you know, God is going to come and that he's going to restore the chaos. He's going to provide a new way for us, a new way of living and a new system of life. And we're going to be in eternity with him. But even right now in the midst of this, we have the greater hope that we know that all of these things, mm. God is in control, that he's working those things for his purpose, that there's a, there's a reason why things are happening, that our hope it's not found in our circumstances, but found on the fact of who he is. He's faithfulness. Yeah. That's where we've been. And so we can have those conversations with our kid. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like we are afraid because we feel like, oh, it's gonna go over their head. Yeah. No, it's not gonna go over their head. They're learning yeah. calculus. Yeah. And that's Is that how you said? Yeah. Calculus. Calculus, calculus yeah. yeah.
2: I didn't learn it. I think another thing too <laughs> that's been helpful for me is to learn from older parents like True. parents that their kids, like, even like with you, like, you know, you're having teenage daughters, like, that's good to have those questions. True. Hey, I mean, how are you handling this? Like, cause I have a daughter. So I'm like, okay, how do you have these conversations? So I think it's important to know to not feel like you're alone as a parent, but that's where the church comes in, right? Mm-hmm. The church comes in to find, uh, like I have a Monday night discipleship group. Uh, it was us, you know, five We all have same age kids. We're all husbands, fathers, and our constant, Prayer because like help us be patient with our kids, like help us to not mm, like sure. go crazy on our kids, you know, like this. And so that's a good conversation. We're like, hey, I did this and it helped. Like and so, but knowing I know every Monday, hey, I got these guys who we're praying for each other, like we're encouraging. But also finding, uh, and of like, what helped Jess and I in our marriage, you know, first few years of marriage, even parenting, was finding older couples whose kids are out of the out of the house, um, but. You know, not, they're not perfect, but they love the Lord, you know, all this stuff. And so just learning from them, we meet with them mm-hmm. once a month and mm-hmm. say, like, hey, how should we do this? How do we do this? Well, yeah. having that support system, I think it's important yeah. to, to encourage you to say, hey, man, this is how you talk to them about this yep. issue. Yeah. And not be afraid about it, but having that wisdom from someone who's walked through the mm-hmm. same situation sure. you have. So. Yeah, encouraging one another in that.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think for, for us, too, is an understanding that p- parents who have an authentic daily relationship with Christ— are going to in a much more impactful way lead their children to have an authentic relationship Mm -hmm. with Christ in a viewpoint that would be consistent with what God says and and, and sees if we are modeling that. Right. Mm So, you know, one of the things with our kids, I I pray with um, two of the kids, I take to school every morning, early, every single morning I'm going to pray with them when they're going to school Mm. and and to start their day. And a lot of that is supplication. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's Lord, you know, protect the kids today. Give them a good day. Help them to encourage others. Help them to be an encouragement. Help them to be faithful to you. Keep them healthy. Keep them strong, you know, that they would honor you. But then naturally at the end of the day, when we pray before they go to bed, it's much more like Thanksgiving oriented, yeah. right? The beginning of the day, it is a lot of, and I'm the one who prays for them when I take them to school, it is very much a supplication of mm-hmm. that a- area of protection, health, mm-hmm. safety, testimony, et cetera. End of the day, it's like wow, look at what God's done. Thank you for another great day. Yeah. You know, and the kids will go like sometimes, if, depending on who it's praying. Like if it's Leah, our youngest, she'll be like thanking God for Toto, like our dog, <laughs> for the blanket, for like <laughs> you know the, mm-hmm. the high sea she drank. Like it would be whatever. <laughs> but there's like a progression of like you know mm. of of hey, dependence on God, thanksgiving to God. Um, and I think that that has to flow also though from an authentic, you know, understanding like the Lord's the one who we are trusting in. Yep. As bad as things get. Yep. But also giving our kids a real realistic expectation yeah. that life's not going to be a breeze either mm-hmm. if you're a follower of Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my daughters a couple of weeks back texted me when she was at school. Um. She was in a study hall and she texted me and she had just mentioned like, Hey, I'd really like to just come home because she was discouraged because of something that happened where, mm. kids said something about her that was not kind and it was it was embarrassing for her, and um, you know, and so I felt felt bad for her but at the same time. I wanted her to have the understanding that this is going to be a normal occurrence Mm -hmm. because we don't live, we're not in heaven yet. (laughs) So so heartache, um, discouragement, people making fun of you, people knowing that you're a Christian and they're going to make fun of you because of certain stances you take should be an expected practice. And I just shared with her where Jesus said, you know, um, that blessed are you when men speak all manner of evil against you, for yeah. so they did the prophets. Mm-hmm. And so I just sent that verse to her, like, when she had responded that way, and she responded back like, with, like, a smiley face emotion, was like, you know, thanks, Dad, and, like, awesome. appreciate that. And she was encouraged by that. Yeah. But I think what we, we tend to forget as parents is God's Word has answers, mm-hmm. even for our kids, Yeah. and what our kids are battling. We don't have to come it's up true. with some magic formula. No. God gives us answers in His Word. Yeah. But I think sometimes we, in a desire to protect our kids— or to not want them to fear, or not want them to be, you know, worried, we can tend to kind of veil things over that, no, everything will be great, honey. I mean, I think the most important thing we can do is give them God's word. And whenever there's opportunity to insert scripture, like, hey, listen to what God says. Like, for for my daughter, I think it was a reminder for her, like, oh, like, God really knows what he's talking about. Like, this happened, and it was discouraging, but it almost turned to encouragement for her when she was like, wow, like, Jesus said that would happen? And it was kind of like, okay, like, all right well if yeah. he said it's going to happen then it happened he knows what he's talking about so i think we have to take
2: advantage of this opportunity oh, yeah, for sure yeah. and we'll
0: miss him. Yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. i yeah. miss him. you'll miss them the yeah. but yeah. when those opportunities come yeah. we have to
2: be be yeah. aware of that that's, so. a, that's a conversation i had with my mom a couple of months ago like we were talking about parenting like i was like man i feel like i'm failing this you know but my mom was just like she's like honestly i pray for like you you're generation of parents because it's I see it's harder than it was for us yeah in the sense of like social media and like all especially all that you know all the culture what it's accepting and all this stuff like that and she's like you know I pray that you guys as parents will live out the gospel in front of your kids but also like I said share God's word with them. Yeah. She's like, you don't need anything else. You have God's yeah. word. Like there's nothing else to be there. This so. is, this is a good transition
0: point. I think next week, maybe we can hit the social media issue. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to parenting and social media, yeah. we can, we can try to yeah. kind of Perfect. tackle that a little bit and maybe yeah. get some perspectives from people yeah. Yeah. um, about that. And so specifically, why don't we say, if you have any questions about social, social media, media content, yeah. 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 parenting specifically to social media, Text in, you know, any questions you have between now and yeah. next week when we do this. Uh, so kind of get them to us by, if you can, by Wednesday. Um, yeah. You know, and we can try to get those questions yeah. in. That's great. Um,
1: one last thought before yeah. we move on to, to conclude real, real quick, because I, I keep ringing to what you guys were saying. But maybe this is a challenge to the parents or that, that are listening. Uh, Paul says in one of the—I I think it's in Corinthians, but correct me if I'm wrong. But he says, like, be an imitator of me mm. as I oh, imitate God. Christ. And what a bold statement to say, hey, yeah. like I'm look at how I'm living my life and you're gonna in the way I'm living my life is gonna point you to Christ. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, I like I said, I have such young daughters that is so I get to see it right now so clearly. Like my two year old, she's constantly looking for a baby <laughs> and walking around with the baby and caring for the baby, like my wife does to our younger baby yeah. Yeah. that is ten months old. She's imitating her. Yeah. Why yeah. not as parents make it a priority where we where we're so Devoted and focused on growing our relationship with God to the point that when the kids are imitating us, is they're not imitating necessarily how to care for a baby, but imitating and how we practice all of this spiritual life uh, or spiritual uh, what 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 is that word I'm thinking? Disciplines. Disciplines. Yeah. Uh, and and why not do that? Why not be people that like? Why not be parents that when the kids see us, they see like, man, like, yeah, my dad, my dad is for me when he goes to work. Or when he goes to drop us in the school, I need to be praying. My parents, I see them sitting together and they're discussing the Bible. I see them, my dad or my mom, they're reading the Bible. When I come into the room, they have the Bible open. Like, let's do that for our kids, so that yeah. they are that, that, so that they can grow up seeing that, be imitators mm-hmm. of Christ, so that hopefully our kids, by looking on our example, can follow them too.
0: Yeah, and I think I think too, even what you mentioned about your daughter seeing your wife with the baby, carrying. Yeah. They should see it in our care for people too, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Not just in our spiritual disciplines, but yeah, in our daily other, how we caring are our for other people, living life in general, how yeah. we are towards one another. Um, that rubs off on yeah. people. So uh, the way I know. interact
2: with people is what I learned from my dad, like how yeah. he... And my mom, how they talk to people. Yeah. Like it's a high un- calling, right? Parent, yeah. Parenting's a high calling. Yeah, it's a blessing. It's, it's, a and,
0: <laughs> and it's hard. Like, people yeah. want to say it's, it's hard. It's it hard, hard to parent well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is a discipline, you know, to parent well. Yeah. And yet, God gives us what we need to do mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. And we're yeah. in it together. But yeah. uh, next week, let's plan on the social media aspect of things. Yeah. And if you have questions about that, text in. Eric yeah. knows the number. Yeah.
1: 3330... 3311. 3330. 3311. <laughs> Nope. No. No, no. Three,
2: 331.
1: Three, one. Is it 331? 330. I'm confused
0: now. It's 330 331 6453. Okay. Uh last Lowry question three, three, okay. to end the podcast yeah. before
1: we before Steve oh. asked the final question, if you had to choose between Costco or Sam Club, where would you shop? Costco. Um
0: I don't know. I i I'm familiar with Sam's Club, I'm not familiar with Costco. Costco.
1: Costco, That's all right. Jam. What, about That's you? My jam. what about you? What uh, about you? I've only been to Sam's Club, so I guess. So Sam's you Club. couldn't either. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But uh, for those of you out there on the group chat sh- or in the chat, group let chat. us the group chat on the chat. Let us maybe you should create a group chat. But let us know where you shop. Yeah. Then
2: comment. Comment below. Yeah, comment. Comment below. Comment below. Costco, Why not? Costco Sam's Sam's or Club? Sam's Club. Mm-hmm.
1: Those hot dogs are pretty good. Yeah, Costco no? or Sammy. No, no.
2: Okay, okay. See, what's the what's See, question? We, question. What's, what's the question? What's your? Hold oh, no. on. What's your life like behind the pew? What is your life no, like? Beyond. beyond Beyond the Pew. <laughs> yeah. Not- beyond the like, okay. Listen, we listen, want it. No, we said it on Sunday. Right. Episode thirty one. <laughs> no, I'm gonna yeah. get it, okay? Okay, try again, try again, Which, try What's, we, what's your like? life like beyond the pew? Yeah, there we, there it is.
0: We hope it's honoring the Lord. America, Join us next week. The world. We'll keep going. <laughs> bye bye.